And I think in business, we have to do the same because a lot of people uh, train, you know, their martial arts differently than they operate their business. Like they'll, yep. they'll, 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 they'll discuss one, one little part of a technique to improve for an hour, you know, and, and work on it uh, for martial arts, but in their business, they won't. For over 260 episodes, Dwayne Brummett and Ali Albarigo have been sharing how to take your martial arts school to the next level. Welcome to another edition of SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Now here's your host, Dwayne and Ali. Well, hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Uh, Ali, great to be with you, sir. Yeah, you as well. I think our intro got chopped a little bit, but that was okay, though. It's a, it's still a decent intro, right? Oh, did it get chopped? Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying. Well, I'm watching it on our podcast, but I'm also simultaneously trying to watch it on uh, Facebook. But it, Facebook is delayed, so I don't really know. But um, but yeah. Anyway, listen, I'm so excited today to be with a, a you know an old friend of mine and and basically. Uh, a neighbor of yours almost right Dwayne he's like like yeah. literally an hour and a half from you a lot of great martial artists come out of the Chicago area John Gaston from Springfield Illinois you know Sensei Kaifer here and, and you Dwayne and so many others that I talk to are sh Chicago and so on so let me just quickly introduce our guest and uh you know it's hard to do an introduction without sounding like I'm bragging, but I'm really bragging because I'm excited to have this person on our call. So there's so much I could say. Um, his upbringing in the martial arts from, you know, being a martial arts student to a competitive competition champion status. Um, you know, his martial art journey started in 1979. So he's been doing this for a few years. Um, he grew up in the dojo as a dojo rat, a little kid running around the school, um, similar to me when I started when I was a kid. And so his entire life, he's been doing martial arts and he's now running his school for the last 15 years. He's pretty much seen and experienced everything you could possibly experience, whether it be teaching and running a martial art business and a school. Um, he's also got some incredible history when it comes to martial art uh, background. He's has six different disciplines in uh, black belts in different disciplines in the martial arts. He's won 11 world titles in the uh, sport karate scene and tournament competition. And um, now, though, he's really focused on uh, making people become a better version of themselves as a teacher. That's what we all strive for. And he's doing that. And uh, one of the ways he's doing that is by accomplishing these things through his academy, which is uh, you can look him up online at Superstar Karate. And he's located at a Carroll Stream, Illinois. And um, he teaches a system of practical karate, self-protection. Um, but he's really working, too, on result-driven character development programs. And he also has two different companies, which we'll mention later, too, but I'll mention quickly, that he does to help school owners become better school owners. And that's BeltStripes.com and MattChats.com. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome our guest to our show today. And should I call you Sensei or your first name? What do you prefer? Just Jason's fine. Jason's fine. Yeah. Jason welcome to our podcast it's great to have you here with us thank you so much I, I i really appreciate it when when you reached out to me i was i was just honored uh honored by it completely uh because i followed your guys show for a long time and uh to to actually be a guest on this show after how long you guys have been going through this i mean this is episode 273 if i'm not mistaken you said Dwayne. Yeah. wow uh wow just uh honored and uh and yeah and very uh grateful uh if, so thank if, you if, if nothing else, we're stubborn because we just refuse to quit, right? 
like I think a lot of us good martial artists are right. Like, you know, I think for me, a bit of what I do is because I, I refuse to quit. I'm too stubborn to give up. I won't allow anyone to win by me being by quitting. Right. So that tenacity to keep on going is one of the underlining factors. I think with many successful school owners, right? We, we don't quit in tough times. We don't give up. And that kind of leads into my first question. And we're going to go back and forth. Dwayne and I will do different questions from each of us, but uh, so you're now 50% back from COVID at 50% capacity. And, yeah. um, so uh, how, how bad was your school affected when this all hit? And, uh, you know, how, how did you make it through? Like, I know you jumped right in and started Zooming and doing live classes and so on. Tell us a little bit about your journey, even though it's almost a year now that we've, uh, you know, we had that first shutdown. Yes, sir. Great, great questions, by the way. Uh, the, uh, I remember we, we kind of heard around the early part of March that COVID was hitting harder than what anybody thought. Uh, of March of 2020. And we had our black belt test on March 5th. And that was with no restrictions whatsoever or anything like that. The very next week we found out in two weeks, we're going to be shut down. Hmm. Not only that, but our lease was running out at our current place at the end of March. And we had already gotten another place uh, lined up to move into. So we had actually, when we found out about the shutdown, we, we actually moved our academy in 48 hours wow. to the new location. Uh, so we had that to deal with, which was a blessing in disguise because it's a great location, uh, beautiful place. Uh, rent is much, much uh, better. <laughs> They're yeah, yeah. 100% better. Um, hmm. so, uh, so that was good, but we couldn't use it because we were shut down. So yeah. I, I literally set up, I had a step and repeat banner put in the back of my garage and bought all this lighting uh, and was uh, using just my my iPhone. Uh, and I bought a professional microphone and stuff like that and was running classes via Zoom out of my garage. Um, before that, before we had the move, I was doing uh, Facebook Live for a while uh, right yes. away. Um, yes. From what I understand, we were one of the first schools that was actually like doing this. Uh, a lot of schools weren't weren't onto it yet, and I just like looked. At it. I saw this happen. I'm like, how are we going to survive? You know, right. we got to go digital. We got to go digital. Uh, that's the only way. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, we learned a lot. Learned a lot along the way. Um, you know, of how to teach Zoom versus in person because it's a it's yeah. a whole different experience. It's not the same, um, mm -hmm. and uh, especially for retention of those students on Zoom. So it's, 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 it, we lost about 70 students um, since, since March, uh, from probably March 2020 until I want to say January of this year uh, was about 70 students lost. Um, wow. But we've been slowly building back up. Oh, and during that time, I wasn't doing any Facebook ads. Um, uh, we weren't rolling any new members. Uh, we did a little bit in the summer. Uh, you know, enrolling new members, but we weren't doing Facebook ads at all because I just, I didn't, I, I wanted to find something that was sustainable and I didn't want people um, thinking that we were doing something, one thing, and then, you know, not doing it later or whatever. It was kind of a confusing time. I didn't know how yeah. long this would last either. So I just want to make sure, you know, we're very transparent with our students and, and the parents. And at the same time, I don't want to you know, do anything to cause confusion and all that. So a big thing was communication as well between the members, yeah. just constant communication, doing live videos for them, um, you know, sending emails, texts, all that stuff. Spark was a huge help 
Um, oh, yeah. Without Spark, I, I, we would have we would have not made it through. And without our, our website by Market Muscles, we wouldn't have made it through. Uh, to be honest, those two things helped us tremendously and continue to help us uh, with our businesses. Uh, shout out to them. I'm not getting any, any payback from them or anything, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I am, but, but just for my school, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, Spark is one of our sponsors, so that's totally okay. So that's not a problem. Anymore. So, uh, so that's interesting, you know, like, I, and uh, Dwayne and I, thank God I had Dwayne and Dwayne and I would chat and we're like, you know, we had each other to, hey, what are you doing? You know, what's going on by you? And, and it was cool that I had somebody through my frustrations and also he through his frustrations to chat, to talk each other off the ledge, so to speak. And, uh, you know, to really have a like-minded person who was going through it, even though we're in different states. Like, I think it was our goal in our state to shut businesses down. I, you know, New York state was really did such amazing devastation and damage. Like I'm still, my County was the only County that they did little physical inspections and came over to the school and with a tape measure and walked by and measured our squares and the distance between and air. If they were doing to some schools, they were throwing smoke bombs into the air filtration system to see the flow of air conditioning. It was crazy. Like, and meanwhile, None of them, none of the government did anything like that for themselves, but they were, they were putting it on us. But, um, so that's cool. So now you're back in action. You lost about 70. You're slowly building up and, and you're doing well. That's awesome. I, I mean, that's exciting. We are too. We're kind of on the upswing as well. We were down 65% and now we're only down 20. So we have 20 more to go to regain everything that we had with pre COVID numbers, which is kind of a cool thing. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. We, you know, and I we wonder what the point, but. Sorry, sir. I was going to say, no, Jason, I wonder what the difference is, you know, in your area compared to ours with regards to, because um, I know in uh, April, May, June, um, you know, that, that, that second quarter, we were down 31%. Um, and then in, you know, third, third quarter, we were down almost 19%. And then in uh, the fourth quarter, we were down 18%. You know, and that's compared to numbers compared to 2019. Um, but it sounds to me like you you lost a lot more students than than I did in totality. I'm not saying that you know I didn't lose students because we did, but it and and that and and I guess what the idea is here with this question is give me the reference point with that because you know if you only had 100 students losing 70 is major but you know if you had 400 students and losing 70 i, I don't want to say it's not so bad but it isn't no so I, give us a reference point if you would so we're we're just hovering a little bit over 200 students uh pre pre-covid um and uh we a lot of mistakes i've made a, just about every mistake in the that you can make with your business i've i've made um so uh you know we we were at one time uh before the collapse in 2008, the economy collapse, we were uh, just over 300 students. Um, but it was a totally different business model. Um, I wasn't happy, uh, you know, a lot of things. So I think, um, you know, first of all, uh, making those mistakes uh, kind of helps us, I think, as school owners to, like you guys, you guys, two, 273 episodes, you just stay at it. You know, like you're, you're just go, 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 go. Nothing gets in the way. And I think martial arts teaches us that. And I, I, I feel that through the pandemic, losing 70 students, I mean, you know, it's 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 rough. But honestly, I learned through competition. I learned through martial arts that so what, 
You know, my, yeah. first, my first year competing, I remember I, I was competing locally a little bit where I went to the national circuit. It was a whole different game. I mean, I, I felt like a white belt, like even, even probably lower than that. Um, yeah. and, and, Cause it had nothing to do with your belt rank whatsoever. It had to do with your, your ability to perform, you know, or score a point, you know, and, and, and things like that. So my first year I got dead last in everything. The only time I ever got a trophy or, or, or a medal or something was if, there happened to be like a national scene. There are eight places. They always were the top eight. So, yeah. I, so if there were like eight people or less in the division, it was a smaller tournament. I got something, you know, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but that was, that was it. I remember sparring and getting blanked out five, nothing and sparring yeah. every time. And it was, it was like uh, eye opening for me, you know, cause I, I was a four, three black belt at the time. I'd been training my whole life and I'm getting crushed because it's a different game. It's totally different than what, what, what happens in the school. So that taught me I can either give up on my dream of, of becoming a world champion because that was a dream of mine, or I could just find people that are so much better than me and learn from them. And that's yeah. what I did. I found the, the, the top world champions at the time and actually paid them for private lessons. And I think in business, we have to do the same because a lot of people uh, train, you know, their martial arts differently than they operate their business. Like they'll, yeah. they'll, 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 they'll discuss one, one little part of a technique to improve for an hour, you know, and, and work on it, uh, for martial arts, but in their business, they won't. And, yeah. and I think we need that same tenacity in business, uh, to make it through. I've seen so many schools shut down, uh, as a result of COVID and all that. And yeah. I, I think part of that is, you know, they weren't prepared. They weren't prepared. And in some cases, I think it's good. Some schools shut down, to be honest, I, I hate to say that, but some people didn't, shouldn't be in business. And right. that's okay. Right. And then other yeah. people I feel really bad for because they were good business people in their area. Just, you know, like you were saying, Dwayne, you didn't get hit as hard as we did uh, and we're in the same state. So it's like they, they just happened to be in one of those areas that got hit like really hard. And no matter what they did to prepare for it, it it was bad. And I don't think anybody could have prepared for what COVID ended up being. I mean, it's just uh, yeah, it's a lot. You know what I find interesting too, and by the way, so many great points that, and I love what you said about the competition thing too. My teacher, I trained with Felix Vasquez. A lot of people know him. Oh, Sensei Felix Vasquez, big competitor. So when we would compete, I'd come home, come back with my head held down low, and I'd say, "Oh, what did I do wrong?" And he'd say, "You just need to be better. You know, you need to practice." And eventually, he goes, "They're not going to be able to take it away from you, or you're not going to you're not going to lose because you'll be good enough." that people will recognize that fact. He says, right now, you're just not ready. It's like American Idol. When they send people away, they go, you're just not ready yet, you know? So I think that people should understand that when it comes to business, that's important because a lot of business owners were lucky. They opened at a good time. They got a bunch of students and then all of a sudden they thought they really knew how to run a business. But when the going got tough, they didn't really have the business background, you know, going after, uh, you know, their mortgages or their, their leases and trying to, you know, defer payments and getting loans and grants and all this stuff. So they just basically, they were at their wits end. And you know how many martial arts schools I talked out of quitting um, because they were a self-defense school and they said, oh, we can't do self-defense. That's all we do is throws. And I'm like, you know, I, I had to go through it with them, just point out the obvious to go, yeah, you can, you could do every technique just without a partner, every drill just without a partner. So, um, you know, and they were like, wow, I never thought of it that way. This is the limited mindset. And you're right. Like if people, they will drill a technique over and over again, but they don't want to put a second more into their running of their business. And they wonder why they don't have any students or they're losing students on a regular basis, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So it's kind of crazy. I, I, I think also with this, the uh, 
people, I think, kind of found out how good of or bad of an instructor they were. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, part of that, like you just said, you know, we're, we're very heavily self-protection based. Uh, we do joint locks and throws. We do striking. Uh, we're, we're predominantly striking with some joint locks and throws in there as well uh, from right. my background. But like last night, uh, we're still not allowed to have any personal contact with our students. Right. We have right. six feet of space. So we're using pool noodles to reflect somebody's arm to do a joint right. lock on and teaching that way. And I just had yeah. a returning student, one of my longtime students, third degree black belt. Um, she's in, in her 50s. Uh, and she, it's just like her second week back. And we were working on a joint lock last night, like a, a Z lock. Um, and uh, I have a pool noodle with a with a uh, a glove on then um, to represent a hand. And she goes, this is outstanding. This is so good. Yeah. I can stay safe and train, but still, you know, apply the joint lock. Yeah. I go, I go, granted, it's a pool noodle. So if you're doing it hard on a pool noodle, make sure when you go back to partner training, it's that, first of all, it's not going to be that easy. Second of all, don't go that hard. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's true. So it, it's about it's about doing that. We've we've switched to solo pad training, so we do a lot of pad training with partners before. Now we do it where the students holding their own pad and and hitting it, which at least they're getting that pad work in. Um, it's it's not the same. I I I, I get it, but it's about pivoting. And I think a lot of people, you know, we when we when we fight, we're taught you know to pivot. We're taught to get out of the way to adjust. But yeah, we, yeah. Don't do, we don't do it with our business. We're so set in our ways. And, and yeah. you know, uh, I'm saying that as an industry, kind of, kind of just at large. Martial arts are yeah. so, so set. Got to do it, you know, the way Sensei taught me or, or whatever. You know, yeah. you got to pivot and change and adjust. And, it, and it's not even that, though. Like, I think school owners, and I, I hate to say this, I don't want to be negative, but with the ego in school owners uh, or martial artists, um, sometimes like I would teach them a system like you do when you do coaching. And I'd say, this is what you need to do. And I'd give them steps one through 10. A week later, they show me what they did. They've changed one through nine and they kept one thing in there and, uh, and they put their tag, their name, their wording there. And then they're going, Hey, it's not working. That thing you gave me didn't work. I go, cause you changed everything. Like why not just use it the way it was meant to be used? You know? And I think school owners kind of feel like they have to do that. By the way, we have a lot of good guests and uh, Stephen Merton said the quote of the day, he said, uh, COVID is showing just how good of instructors people really are. He said, that's the quote of this episode. Like, you know, the, the yeah, so it's, it's true. Right. Coming up with other ideas, is and we we did so many cool things like that extracurricular too that i would have never done other than covid had hit like um a pet show i know it's not like i might have probably when I, my young self would have go i would never in my life ever do anything like that right but we did a pet show we did a bingo night we did a um what was the other one Dwayne, that we did the uh oh, yeah, uh scavenger hunts we you know we did so many cool things and i like those i may even do them again because parents will do it at home and it'll be free and it'll just be fun so like i don't know why people were so resistant but then again a lot of them in my area 46 schools went out of business entirely just in in the three counties that are surrounding us and some of them were heavy hitters dude like they were you know three locations four locations the thousand students 800 students wow. they just folded up shop they, I guess they were running on such a thin line of profit, even though they were big hat, no cattle kind of mentality. And then boom, it, when it hit, they didn't have reserves. They didn't have the wherewithal and, and they shut down. So it's kind of scary. Now, Jason, did you uh, apply for any of the PPP money? First yes. and second round? Yes. Good. Yes, sir. Uh, Good. And some local grants as well. 
Well, um, yeah, I was going to ask you about that because I've got I got two two grants uh, as well. There was two Illinois grants uh, that that I was able to get to, which you know helped out tremendously. So yeah, it's helped us to um, keep keep our rent payments going, no matter how good or bad our month is. But most importantly, what I'm proud of is we didn't have to let go of a single team member during this whole pandemic. So That's all awesome. staff stayed in, employed. Now, granted, their hours were cut here and there depending on the time. Like we we did have a front desk lady that we did cut her hours back quite a bit, especially when we were just virtual. Um, because what does she do? You know, I mean there's nobody to greet, there's nobody, you know, uh, but uh but we've been able to keep everybody on payroll, which is great. Um also I, I think it's it's helped us to go paperless with everything too. Um, yeah. the, the whole COVID. Uh we are we I, I haven't had an enrollment conference this whole time. Uh and we've yeah. been, we've been closing uh at over 70%. Um, and, uh, we haven't had a renewal conference and we're closing renewals at about 98%. Uh, yeah. so it's, it's, it's all because of the paperless thing. We did a whole holiday sale online. I'd never yeah. done that before. And we did, we did 20,000, over $20,000 for a one day holiday sale, completely done online. Uh, that's so, uh, with, with, with that's after losing the. 70 some students yeah. so. can you imagine can you imagine though move, like same thing with me i'm leaner and meaner than ever before i i i don't have program managers like you said i do all my renewal conferences i'll, I'll text someone on spark love that software and i'll say hey if are you going to continue oh you are okay I'll, let me send out a digital agreement for your signature and that's it boom done and over that used to take me making an appointment sitting down small chat waiting i hold now i'm like dude i'll do it during the day when i'm home at my home office and send it out and i'm done i'm like i just renewed four people like it would have took me two or three hours to go through that whole process now it's done and over with and and i love the the online sales too, like you know seminars through their checkout pages and all the things that they do it's made my life i went from having two full-time program managers to having none because i don't need them anymore honestly especially yeah. the ones in the lobby i i don't have anyone for them to talk to and i'm communicating with them entirely on my own yeah other than our other than my wife and i um our most of our staff is uh all instructors um, that's great and that's what we want to focus on is is the map because that's 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 like the menu for your school. That's that's yeah. if you if you're a restaurant, that's your menu, and those are your chefs. Uh, so you live or die by that. Uh, so it's yeah. it's it's so important to make sure that we are you know keeping the mat strong, and uh, that's that's been awesome because uh, it's helped us so much with our conversions without without selling. Um, you know, the selling is done by what they see. We don't even do an introductory class. We don't right. do any of that. We just put them right in the class with the rest yeah. of the students. Um, and, uh, it's been working great for us. So I don't need a, a separate program director. Like you said, I, I haven't had a program director in quite some time to be honest, yeah. um, but spark has helped with the automatic enrollment. So we don't even have to have an enrollment conference, which has been unbelievable. So, unbelievable. Yeah, and you know, I find that to be so interesting too, because what we did 10 years ago and you've been open, you said for 15 years. Yes, sir. So Dwayne, you're what? 25 years now. Gosh, uh, at least 22, 23. Yeah. So this is my 30th year of, of running this location. Um, so yeah, isn't it crazy? Like, you know, I'm saying like, I'm still dumb enough to do this for 30 years. Like, <laughs> like I always say to the kids, like, this is great. One kid said, oh, you have gray hair. I never noticed. I mean, that's because of you. Like I pointed at the kid joking at it, you know, kidding. But um, you know, what's interesting too, though, is like now um, I've been so customer focus so 
customer service orientated, but but not like just like, okay, here's the business concept, do customer service and then the layers of cut. I've just been so dug into through the ease of communication with texting and Spark and all the other push notifications um, that I am more connected now to all of my students than I ever was. There was a point in my school where I had so many people, I didn't know their names for a few months and I would forget it. Now I'm, I know little every kid, everything they want, every parent, everybody, you know, and it's really made my school that whole entire tribal kind of, you know, culture that I've always wanted. And, uh, and I love it. I mean, it makes me happy to be a martial art teacher. So I, I don't want to say I have to thank COVID, but I have to thank the situation um, that I was thrust into to make this pivotal changes in my life. Well, right. And even if you made those changes prior to if COVID never happened, it doesn't mean that everybody would have bought into that change as easily as they had to because of the pandemic. So I think That's the pandemic has afforded us some opportunities that we're taking advantage of that weren't opportunities before, or at least they, they weren't as big of an opportunity before. Right. So, That's, a, Jason, That's a great point. That is a great point. Yeah, um, I was going to say, what do you think about that? Um, I, I think uh, right away when you, when, you, when you said that, the first thing that popped into my mind was culture you know, the culture of your, your school. And yeah. if your culture sucked pre pandemic, you probably don't have a school anymore. Right. Um, because especially yeah. if, if, if you were running a closed minded school, um, you know, and, and didn't, you know, it, what happens is even if you were open to change to do zoom class and all that, if you're very closed minded and, and that kind of spreads to your students and therefore when you make a change, they're going to be against it. Yeah. Uh, you know, even if you are trying to pivot. Right. So you know, when you have a culture, you know, I, I think that's one of the problems with martial arts is that martial arts and cults are very like, they're almost like this. Right. Sometimes they overlap. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think uh, the, the, the problem is there's a lot of some, somehow along the way it was like, well, never question your sensei. Right. I call BS on that. Yeah. If, 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 if some, somebody doesn't allow me to ask questions and, and learn at a higher level, by doing so, it's different between questioning somebody and asking a question. So right. if that's happening, they're not the instructor for me. I'm going elsewhere because I'm not going to learn from them. Right. You know, and I, I think that's so important. Like, uh, Ali, I remember, uh, you know, attending your seminar that you taught at uh, uh, at John Gason School um, mm -hmm. when we were all teaching there and uh, on joint locking and stuff. And I, I asked a couple of questions. You're so open to helping. Uh, yeah. And it, it was wonderful. It was, it was refreshing. Because I've 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 seen the opposite other places, and I think by having that culture in your school where where it's open and you're transparent, you know, and and then you, you know through a pandemic, we've been very open and transparent about things that are going on. I say hey, I, yeah. I, let, I let our our student body know that we lost students. I didn't yeah. think, I didn't cry about it. I didn't do several posts. I did a live video and kind of mentioned. I go and it was more of a thank you video to the people that have stuck with us. Yeah. It wasn't it wasn't poor me, you know, because it's not poor me. Who cares, right? Uh, no. you know, my family and I care, that's it. You know, nobody else gives a crap. So yeah. what, what good will that do? But I want to thank the students that stuck with us. Cause I thought that was important as a result, you know, we've been getting the referrals. Uh, people are, are talking about us. Uh, we, we're in, uh, my wife is in every mom group that there is on Facebook. Uh, and I'm in as many as, as many groups as I can be in on Facebook. I, I'm not in the mom groups. Uh, you know, this, this is kind of the dead giveaway. Uh, yeah. but, uh, but we, when somebody asks for a local school, there are other schools mentioned, but superstar karate like just gets like whew, comment after comment after comment. Um, and some from former students, 
some from people that took uh, a trial and never enrolled, some that just heard about us from our reputation, yeah. uh, and never had even set foot in our academy. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's, that's the thing about culture that really, I think, helps your school out and helps it expand. And, and it's not necessarily copy my culture or copy Allie's or Dwayne's. It, it, you got to find your own thing that works for you. But at the same time, you know, when it works well, it works really well. Yeah, I love what you said, too, uh, that, you know, uh, culture and, you know, is, is not necessarily the tradition or the style. It's not the history or the the lineage, right? It's more about what you've, and by the way, you could be a very traditional martial artist and have all the, and I like that you can question, ask questions, but never question, right? Meaning like, you know, hey, sensei, why do I do this? This doesn't make sense. Why should I do that? But not, there are certain people that just love to question everything to disprove you, right? And that, that's what we don't want because they're the naysayers of our school. But we do want people to have open, be open to feel comfortable enough to say, hey, how come I do it this way? Just make sense. It doesn't make sense to me. Or why do we bow? Or why do we do this, right? And then, and then we explain it to them. So I think that's awesome that you're able to do that in your school. And and have a culture where people feel comfortable to be able to talk to you about anything, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, the other thing, too, that I think is very, very important for school owners is that they have to understand that a culture is not something you just write out on paper. It's something that's developed over time based on actions that you take that create an emotion within your school. Like, for example, I, I've spoken about this uh, many times that my one of my students was the brother of Chris Angel, the magician. And um, they took me on a tour of all their shops in Vegas. And they said, you know, look at the culture. And I was like, okay. And then the minute I'd step into their location, it was his world, the music, the smell, the sound, the pictures, the, the everything. It was his, like you, you entered into his little world of, of culture. So I'm like, wow, I got to make my school more like that. So people clearly know what we are and what we do and who we are from the minute they step in or the minute they see our website, et cetera, et cetera. So that's pretty awesome info there. I think that the culture too stems from what your core values are for your business as well as your mission statement. Um, and that you're making sure every decision you make is based upon that. Uh, and that's a problem I find with a lot of people. And, and my brother is the one who, my brother, Adam Kiefer is the one who opened my eyes to this greatly. Um, he's done a lot of research uh, and, and into branding and, and uh, into, you know, uh, culture, you know, of businesses and so forth. Um, and, uh, uh, he, we had, we've had a lot of conversations, uh, and he's the one who opened my eyes to it. And I, I've always, I, I've tried mission statements in the past and it's like, uh, it sounds too worry or it sounds too businesslike. And finally, yeah. after talking with him, something clicked, you know, uh, and, and, and then also just reading books, uh, you know, from other business owners, um, you know, that, that run successful companies or studying like Google and, and Zappos and, you know, uh, Starbucks and, and, you know, just top Apple, top businesses and kind of seeing how they do their thing. Don't copy them, but, you know, uh, be inspired by them to do your thing. Yeah. Uh, and I think once you have that, like our decision-making process is so easy and we involved our whole team with our mission statement and our, our core values uh, and came up with them together. Uh, wow. And I thought that was important too. Um, and they're going to change. They're going to change over time, especially as our yeah. team changes, uh, you know, and uh, you know, we're okay with that but we have a good base to go, okay, does this fit our core values? We we're just talking about that the other day with our team meeting. We, we wanted to make a decision on something curriculum wise. And we were thinking, okay, but what are our core values? Does that fit with it? 
you know, we, yeah. we, we ended up nixing it because it didn't, you know, so uh, I think that, that's helpful. Dwayne, do you have, you have a question? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm curious with regards to, you know, things opening up more, you know, what are you, what are you focusing in on now in your school? Like, what's the main focus? Like, can you, can you expand? Like, what, what do you mean the main focus? Like business-wise, well, uh, curriculum-wise, yeah. class-wise, what? Well, let's, let's break it down. What business-wise, what's the main focus? And then, you know, uh, the, then, yeah, re, you know, then we can move into curriculum and, and retention. Sure. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, and that's, that's a very, that's not an easy question to just be like, it's this, um, right. but, uh, we are doing Facebook, uh, ads, uh, and retargeting. Um, my, my brother runs a relentless, uh, media agency, uh, or marketing agency, and, uh, he's doing all of our marketing for us. Uh, and that's helped us greatly. Uh, we're starting to get back into local events because all local events, we were huge in the community before, COVID. Uh, we had events all the time. Sometimes like every single weekend we'd be, you know, at something uh, Friday, uh, one place Friday, different place Saturday, different place Sunday, sometimes the same place all three days. Um, and uh, like this week, I know we have something Thursday night. I think we have a nighttime Easter egg hunt that we're doing, uh, helping a sponsor and stuff Thursday. There's another one that we're doing on Friday. Um, last week we had an event on Saturday. Uh, and events have been kind of slow, to be honest, because people are still skeptical. Sure. You know, they don't know what's what's going on. Um, so uh, but I think as we get out in the community more and get back into it, it's it's like anything else. It's almost like starting over. It's almost like, you know, OK, we got to build back up again. Uh, we have to we, we used to be strong in the community, but they haven't seen us for a year and a half. So now we got to we got to get back or, or a year. We got to get back out there. Um, so I think that's huge. Uh, and, and that's a big difference. Uh, I think, um, you know, business wise. That's been the main thing is as things are opening up, just uh, just get back at it, you know, of what we can do, what we are allowed to do within the uh, the COVID guidelines that we're restricted by. Um, what is your um, what is your introductory offer? Um, so we, we we have we call it a starter course. Um, we actually call it our superstar starter course, superstar karate. So we want to make sure we're always following our branding. Uh, and uh, right now we're just doing two weeks for twenty nine dollars. Um, and that includes uh, two weeks of classes and a T-shirt. Uh, though, if they join, they get a free uniform. Uh, if they join early, like after class one, we throw some other things in there for them, like a birthday party. Uh, we throw in a, their equipment package they need, you know, things like that to to kind of encourage them to go that route. Um, so uh, if they, as long as they, if they don't tell us to stop. At the end of the two weeks, they automatically get enrolled no matter what. And they know the prices right away. When they when they sign up on our website for their uh, starter course, uh, our price, monthly price is right there. So there's no questions uh, about that. And then we cover it again at their first lesson in case they, they didn't read. Um, <laughs> and then we usually cover it again later on just to make sure. Uh, so we, we want to make sure that nobody's feeling trapped or stuck or, you know, or, or conned or scammed or anything like that. I never want anybody to go away feeling like that at all that's awesome um i think so another no, thing, oh sorry no go ahead no go ahead um, business-wise another thing that people really really neglect is their online reputation so what i mean by that is how many reviews we have out there and how current are they so uh i think we're up over 170 google reviews uh that are and we're, we're finally moved from a 4.9 to a five star average our yelp reviews suck because yelp sucks and 
suppresses most of those reviews unless you pay I Yelp. Hate, I hate Yelp. Yes. Hate it. Yeah. Um, so, but we still ask people to do reviews for Yelp um, because if one of them sticks, it's going to be good for us. Uh, right. Unfortunately, the two bad ones stick and the rest of them get suppressed. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, Facebook. And they, too. and they hide them. They hide them below under some fake thing, right? They hide yeah. it so you can't see them. Yeah. Um, but that, that's the thing. Like we just got, we were averaging, I think five or six reviews a day for all, for all the week of, uh, St. Patrick's day, uh, week, uh, cause we do a special little promotion to kind of encourage people to do reviews. Uh, and we have a system set up in our school for reviews to try to get reviews on a consistent basis without like, without coming across as like pushy, if that makes right. sense. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I think that's huge. Uh, and Mike Prell is actually one who's talking about that a long time ago. And I know he's a polarizing figure in our industry. Some people hate him, some people love him. Um, but that's one thing he taught me that's stuck with me that's really helped our school out. Uh, and, and to keep those reviews current is huge because if you're seeing somebody has all five stars, that's great. But then you see the last reviews from like two years ago, eh, you know, yeah. how good is that? If they see the, the last review is last month or within the year, they're, they're much more likely to to go ahead and go, oh, yeah, I'm going there. Um, they also right. work your SEO out greatly to have good reviews. Um, so uh, question came up, what do you do when your competitors leave bad Google reviews? Well, first of all, you reach out to Google and let them know. Uh, and also respond to every single review, positive or negative, respond. And if it's negative, don't respond right away. Take some time. Think about it. Maybe even research online ways to respond to bad reviews so you don't say something you're going to regret because uh, uh, say it, forget it, write it, regret it. So it's, it's so important that you take the time to do it the right way. I mean, yeah, I've been, I've been really ticked off by, by bad reviews. We've got all gotten bad reviews. I just got one on Yelp from somebody that I only think is a student. We looked them up, couldn't find them anywhere um, who right. accused us of locking them into a contract during COVID, which is false uh, because right. we we've let people out of their agreements during COVID uh, yep. and we've worked out things with people during COVID because it's a different animal. We would have never done that with anybody. So it's not true. Uh, but we came and see who the student is. We've checked our database. We don't see them anywhere. And Yelp, of course, is not going to remove it. Uh, so, right. so the best way to get rid of bad reviews is to get more good reviews. Um, yeah. That's the easiest and best way to do it. So just contact, what I would say is contact some of your students, your, your longtime students who haven't left a review on Google yet. Just say, hey, you know, uh, we just got a bad review on Google from uh, what looks like a competitor. Uh, Google makes it kind of a process to remove it, but we'd like to just bury it with good reviews. You know, if you could write us a review. Yeah. Another thing is get reviews as soon as the person enrolls, because when are they at their highest point, you know, uh, highest emotional state, you know, right, right then. So if you get them to yeah. do a review then, I mean, now you get it right away, uh, which is great. Yeah. Or, or anytime somebody renews or anytime somebody upgrades, you know, when they're at a right. high emotional state, that's the best time to ask. Yeah, the, uh, the guy that you had spoke about that you learned about reviews from, they used to do a thing called the keyboard flip. While you had people and you were signing them up, they'd flip the keyboard around and say, and here's the monitor and say, hey, could you do a quick review for us about your first class? You know, they were so excited, dripping sweat. Oh, it's the best thing I've ever done. Boom. And then they'd send it off. So it was a good way to get them at their ultimate, you know, excitement, you know, level. Yes. That was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So, so cool. Our interviews go so quick. So I do have a few other questions, but I'm, I'm sure Dwayne is going to ask more as well. So um, 
I have a question for you that's totally a little bit more esoteric and spiritual, right? Okay. So, and I don't mean it in, in a martial arts kind of way, but like, you know, so what, what is your purpose and why do you teach the martial arts and what makes you and drives you every day? Because I, you know, I just had breakfast with my two buddies and we spend like an hour with each other. First, we talk about, you know, music. Then we talk about politics. Then we talk about our school. Inevitably, this student did that. That person annoyed us there or whatever. We have little gripes, you know, uh, we counsel each other. So like, what keeps you going? Like, what is the, what is your main motivation that like in my heart that, that I have that makes me proud to do what I do and love still after 30 years doing what I do. Well, so what is it for you? Well, number one, first of all, I am human. I am normal. And of course I have bad days. Of course I've had bouts of depression. Um, you know, I mean, things don't, aren't always rosy and, and peachy, uh, especially for entrepreneurs, uh, as you guys know. Um, so that being said though, I haven't given up. I haven't thrown in the towel. Uh, I've, I've, I've kept at it. And the thing that drives me, I think is, um, first of all, just knowing how martial arts helped me when, when I was 13 years old, I wanted to commit suicide. I, I wanted to end my life and be, be gone. Uh, I was being bullied constantly. Um, my parents switched me from a public school where I knew everybody, uh, to a private school, uh, in the public school I went to, I had, I, I think it was 1500 students for middle school. Um, it was huge. Uh, it was old high school. They, they, they made into middle school, which is a horrible idea, by the way. Um, right, I but, agree. but then uh, they moved me to a private school where I knew no one. And I had a class of 24 mm. and it was connected to a church, which my parents weren't churchgoers. Uh, and you were basically an outcast if you didn't go to church that the school was connected to. Um, I loved heavy metal music. <laughs> me I love rock music. As you can see behind me on my wall. And I was actually <laughs> told by, by one of the uh, counselors there that I, I was a devil worshiper. If I listen to that stuff and and all that, which which you don't tell a thirteen year old that, um, yeah, you know at all. Um, I would spit on at that school by other kids. I would find like shaving cream in my my uh, desk when I go to sit down. I mean, just all sorts of bad things. Um, and I just didn't know what to do. But I had martial arts to go to, so I knew if I went to class, I was going to feel better. I knew I'd get to hit the heavy bag around. Uh, I knew I could. Uh, you know, just put a little more energy in my, my kicks and, and, and punches and my, you know, and not take out my partner though. I, I made sure I didn't do that because you were not yeah. partners fast. But uh, anyway, uh, it's, it's important though. You know, it was so important in my life. It's what kept me living basically. You know, I mean, it, it, it got me through hard, that hard time. It's gotten me through other really hard times in my life. Um, and I saw the same thing happen to my brother. So I started when I was two years old. My brother started when he was three. And I, I've seen my brother just, you know, thrive uh, as a result. And I don't know if my brother ever went through the same things I did. There's eight years difference between us. I know he's had high and low points. Like when my mom passed away when he was 16, that couldn't have been easy for him being a teenager. I mean, it wasn't easy yeah. for me as an adult. But I think martial arts helped us get through that that low point and other low points in our life. Uh, and it's just uh, also martial arts just has so many facets to it. So like. I, the way I look at my career as, a, as just a practitioner of it is kind of like, and I'm not trying to compare myself at all to the great artist Picasso, but Picasso had different periods of his artwork. Uh, most famously is like his blue period. Uh, so he had different periods where his artwork changed based upon what he was going through in life. 
and I feel like that in martial arts. Like I, I remember I had my 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 forms period where I was in the you know kata or kyung or whatever you guys you know call it in your system. You know where that was my my main thing. I was really into kicking a lot and stretching and all that. Being almost forty four now, I'm not so much into kicking and stretching as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, and then from there, I remember I I went into like weapons. I I got introduced to weapons. I was really into weapons and and stuff. And I'm I still do those things. Don't get me wrong. But then then I remember meeting my uh, my father's instructor, uh, Jihan Jay, the founder of Hapkido, is in Game of Death with Bruce Lee in the fight scene right before Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. I met him when I was 13, uh, ironically. And uh, I trained with him up until uh, until he stopped pretty much teaching as much, uh, probably about, I don't know, five, six years ago. Um, and that was huge. I got into all the throwing and joint locks and really got into that. And then you know, me and Ian Abernathy and getting into the striking and practical self-protection, that was huge. You know, and, and along that way in, in between there, getting into the competition scene was huge. And, you know, just like there's so many different things I could do. I can spar, you know. I remember I used to suck at sparring and then, you know, I got better and that felt good, yeah. you know. Uh, it, it just, uh, it, you know, and it depends on the day too. There's days where I just feel like training kata, that's it. There's days where I feel yeah. like going in there and hitting the heavy bag. Uh, you know, there's days where I love throwing people around. Um, you know, so, uh, there's days where I get in there and we, we do some live training where we're just, anything goes in the training, but it's done in a controlled and safe way, but we're like dying afterwards and sweating and it's great. You know, it's just, uh, there's just so many things you can go to. Um, so I, I guess, you know, that's what's kept me into it is just like, I can never perfect this. I'm a perfectionist, like growing up, I was very much a perfectionist, but this is something I can't perfect. And I'm okay with that because I can always improve and get better. Uh, and there's not many things in life that are, that are like activities that you do that have that much to it. You know, it's like you golf. Yeah, that, many, you, you, that many layers, right? Like yeah. where it evolves, like, you know, you could play baseball or, or hockey and you could love it for your whole life, but it doesn't evolve to different layers, right? It's almost like Zen and the art of motorcycles, right? You can only, you know, that kind of thing. So um, that's pretty amazing. I, I did want to question you a little bit more. Like I, I just recently, I have a few students that are uh, suicidal cutters. They cut themselves. And I'm, I'm so, and one of my instructors, they're like, yeah, when I was in, and he's younger than I am, he's in his forties. And he's like, uh, you know, when I was in high school, that's what people did. They would cut themselves all the time. And then, you know, there was just an external way to do something to get rid of the pain. And I sometimes can't fathom like the, the mindset between that. So like, what, what do you suggest for school owners that are people that these, you know, you are helping these kids. What, how deep can you go to help them? You know, do you talk to them? Like, what was your thought? Cause you've been through it. You lived it. I was bullied as a kid too. I think all of us were to some extent, I knew how to fight those. So the unfortunate thing for the bullies where they got the crap kicked out of them a lot of times, but, um, but I hated living my life where I had to look over my shoulder every day and it was always a threat and it was always something. So how did you get through that? Just, just quickly give us a little bit of an understanding. Sure. sure. It, you know, it's, it's not just that either. I mean, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had anger issues uh, in, 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 in my life uh, based upon my male role models growing up, always punching holes in walls or, or breaking things. Um, you know, I've, I've punched holes in a lot of things, uh, which not I'm not proud of by any means. Um, right. right. But I'd say, first of all, if you're a school owner dealing with it, get help. Uh, there's nothing shameful or wrong about getting help. Heck, you're going to drop how much money to go to a seminar to help your business or help your techniques, but you're not going to do it for yourself. You know, you're going right. to, you know, you're going to drop money for a massage to make your body feel better, but you're not going to do it for your mind. 
And so right. I, I'd say go find professional help. And you don't have to be, you don't have to find somebody who's going to put you on medication right away if that's not your thing or whatever. There's so much out there. Uh, there's so much free help out there that's that, that are right. professional people that can help you. Helping a student though is a bit different. So number one, I know we wear a lot of hats as martial arts instructors, but sometimes we do have to stay in our lane. So we can help to a point and we can be supportive. You know, uh, if, if, if we find a student that, that's acting in a way that we feel is detrimental to them, you know, I, I think we do have to talk to the parent. It's our responsibility um, right. about that. Uh, and we have to approach it in a way, though, where it's not going to come down negatively on the child. Right. So it, it's a very fine line we have to walk. Um, I don't think we can solve anybody's depression or suicidal thoughts. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're not there for that job, you know, unless that's your core thing in your academy you're going for. And if it is, I hope you have some background to support that. Um, but I refer people to counseling constantly because I think mental health is something, uh, you know, we found in sports, you know, it's like uh, Kevin Love, uh, who plays for the Cavs and he's a world champion basketball player. Um, uh, I've actually met him in person. He's a great guy, but he's, he's one of the first ones in basketball to come out with mental health issues and talking about it and saying he's gone through counseling and stuff. And he's doing much better, but it's like, that just happened. Like I think in the last year or two that he came out, yeah. that's way too long. And nobody in martial arts is really talking about it. actually, I found it in MMA and BJJ. I found a few people talking about it, but other than that, haven't heard much about it. And it's hmm. so important. So we, we need to make sure we provide good resources. We don't always have to be the answer, but we can help somebody find the answers. If that makes sense. Yeah. That's so, awesome. That's great. Great. Like and I do like no, that you said, uh, you know, we, we do have to stay in our lane on some things and not think that we can solve everybody's problems. Yeah, I mean, how, how bad would we feel if somebody took their own life because of we were trying to handle it instead of passing on how it should be, you know? Yeah. Uh, and and I, I would never want anybody to go through that. I know school owners who have dealt with that, and I, I, I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. Um, yeah, I, I do have an issue right now with a kid that is, he comes, his parents are aware he tried to com commit suicide and, uh, and, uh, they reached out to me. So I stay in touch with the kid and he'll say, I'm having a bad day. I'm doing this and that, but they do have other alternatives, but I feel a lot of pressure. Like when he says, I'm having bad thoughts today. And I'm like, uh, you know, like, I'm almost like, I'm afraid to say something because I don't want to say something that may cause something else, you know? So it's hard. It's a, it's a big pressure to, to bear. Um, one of the things, one of the things I say when I notice a kid is coming in and they've they've had some issues because it's not just uh, suicidal issues. You also have people who are going through gender identity issues. Uh, yeah. You have people that and and who knows what ridicule they're facing at home or school as a result right. of that. Um, right. There's lots of different issues. I think the one thing that I that I say is, well, I'm so glad you're here today. Yeah. You know, if, if they're here in, in class, you know, I'm so glad you're here today. You know, keep training because that's going to, you know, that's going to help. You know, you, how, how do you feel after you're done with, with class? Oh, I feel right. great. Yeah. So let's, right. let's try to get that feeling more, you know, that's awesome. So, yeah. so some great, great comments though. That's, that's great. Again, we say golden nuggets of info. Awesome. Awesome stuff, Jason. That's great. Thank you. So, so yeah, I know we're running out of time. So I want to ask you, where do you, where do you see like the future of, um, you know, martial arts schools going? That's a great question. Um, I think I think we're going to see an explosion in numbers once hopefully COVID subsides and more people are vaccinated. I think uh, we're going to see an influx. I think people are going to crave that 
socialization. They're going to crave that contact with each other. Because even pre-COVID, I noticed a lot of kids, when I was younger kids, we, we did hot keto and we did tongsudo. So we did forms and we did, you know, self-protect, you know, type stuff. And I noticed when I was growing up, kids always gravitated to the forms, you know, the forms and weapons forms. Um, what I found later is when, when, when the advent of all these devices came, you know, in video games, is kids started gravitating more to the personal interaction in class. So they got to spar, they got to, you know, throw somebody around, they got to do some grappling or some pad hitting, you know, with a partner, anything, any partner work was huge. And I think that's going to even explode more so. Uh, so if we're not using partner work now in classes, you know, we need to have that when when we're allowed to and make sure that we're we're getting on that. Um, I think any type of socialization activities that we can do, parents night outs, you know, things like that are really going to explode uh, again because, you know, they're, they're missing that. Um, I, I know it depends on what state and area you're in because some some places are wide open. You're allowed to do anything. So I, I get it. But I, I think I'm talking just in general. Um, I also think that that the consumers are becoming more and more educated in what we do. So moms and dad or moms, especially are expecting, I think dads too, character development be taught, not just a word on the wall of the school and not just a word discussed in class for a moment, but they want it to be taught, you know? And that's part of the problem too, is uh, we teach as an industry, we teach character development worse than martial arts. We don't teach it the same at all. You know, we teach martial arts in depth. They learn it, but with, with character development, we do it like a, 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 you know, a three to five minute mat chat and we have a word on the wall and that's it. Well, we don't do anything right. to steal that value as an industry. Um, like we do with yeah. martial arts. If we taught martial arts the same way as we taught character development, we all be shut down, <laughs> you know, just saying. Yeah. So I think, I think, I think yeah. parents uh, are going to realize right away if a school teaches character development or not um, by how they're running their classes, um, you know, and, and what they're saying. Uh, I also think that, you know, people assume that self-protection is being taught in martial arts schools. And I feel that 99% of martial arts don't teach proper self-protection. Yeah. Um, and, and, and this is coming from a guy who grew up in hot keto and hot keto is not good for self-protection. I'll be honest. Most of it's not. Um, and uh, people can argue with me, whatever. I, uh, here's your controversy. Okay. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it's true. You know, a violent attack, Nobody's going to be compliant for joint locks right away. That's not the first thing you want to look for either. Uh, and there's so many steps that are missing, like the soft skills of self-protection. Uh, I think those need to be uh, discussed more, um, especially when more human interaction gets in. People are going to be blown off steam from this COVID lockdown uh, and, and, and dealing with all this. So you're going to have more road rage incidents. You're going to have more uh, bullying incidents. Uh, you're, you know, those things are going to go down from people expressing their frustration from elsewhere. Um, and so we need to teach awareness. We need to teach avoidance. We need to teach verbal de-escalation uh, to our students besides just the hard skills. I know a lot of people don't want to do that because they're like, oh, those are boring, you know, and nobody's going to want to do that. But just make them fun. You know, well, I was going to say, yeah, just fun. make them creative, right? Come on. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And uh, so I think I think that's going to be important, too, because, uh, you know, if our students know how to deal with things, if they can see something ahead of time because they're aware and be able to avoid it, that's the best, right? They don't have to yeah. put themselves in danger. Um, you know, my, my goal is for all our students to never have to use their, their uh, hard skills in martial arts, only their soft skills, you know, uh, which, which we have to use all the time anyway. Um, you know, so anyway, that's, that's what I see. I, I know I'm long winded. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm a talker. Yeah, no, this is great. Don't you're not long winded. That's a great explanation. I, I just had a, 
uh, a student reach out to me and say to me, they, uh, you know, they talked their way out of a, a road rage situation. I said, oh, that makes me proud. I'd rather hear that. Um, but he's an old longtime student. Um, so I said, uh, and instructors, sometimes it's also cool to hear the stories of the perfect roundhouse kick that knocked the guy out, but that's just between you and I, um, you know, but, uh, but I said, I'm glad you walked away, you know, of the situation without having to go to prison or, you know, hurt somebody, et cetera, et cetera. Funny, yesterday I had a kid, I had classes and um, some of the people were showing up late. So I said, for every minute you're late, you have to do five push-ups." And then I had a mom say to me, you know, I don't want my kids to, you know, have to do push-ups for punishment. I go, it's not a punishment. Only if you look at it that way, they were late. I gave them a push-up, five push-ups, only five push-ups. I go, but they're getting stronger. It's a benefit, you know, like, and I try to understand. It was just my thing for the day. I don't always do it, mm -hmm. but it's funny out. So many times parents are trying to control what their kids see, what they do. And I'm like, let me just have my fun and be the expert. Don't worry about it. It's okay. And they're like, okay, I trust you. And then they, they left. So it's kind of interesting. So I know, Dwayne, we're almost done. Did you want to close up with anything? And we do have a, a video now that we out, outro out and uh, outro, outro, because I did. I thought it was outro. Um. <laughs> yeah, I was going to, you're nicer than me. I would have, I would have said, so what you're saying, Mrs. Jones, is you want to do the push-ups? Right, right. <laughs> I've done that before. I've done yeah. that before. You know, yeah, I've done Huh? I've jokingly said that too, like, okay, oh, you, your kid doesn't have to do the push-ups, but you I, do. I wasn't joking. I know you are. I'm just saying. You know? Yeah. I remember I gave a kid uh, uh, um, an essay to write because they didn't bring their materials to class. And uh, and, and she goes, well, it was my fault that, that you know, we I didn't pack the uniform, whatever it was. I don't remember. And I said, so what you're saying, Mrs. So-and-so, is you're, you're willing to do the, the essay? She goes, no right I go, okay so then he's gonna do it you know you know what's interesting though isn't that weird at how like there are different expectations because i guess we're considered extracurricular right people are paying us separately but like if you didn't have your homework in school you would either get a failing grade or you'd go to detention or you'd have to redo it yet sometimes parents like i parents go don't it's not his fault he doesn't have his uniform on i go but he's not allowed to train without it like i don't get what you're if it was baseball would he show up to the game without his uniform like i don't get it i i think uh it that's 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 you both make some great points um i think one of the things we need to ask first of all uh is are we doing a good enough job of making sure the students understand their responsibilities yeah um, number one Number two, are we making sure the parents understand their child's responsibilities uh, right. or their responsibilities? Yeah. Uh, number three, I think we need to question. So like uh, when a kid's late, we just welcome him in class. We're happy to see him. Uh, we never we never give out any punishment. Now, if it happens habitually, what we do is we talk to the parents. And then if we start hearing, well, you know, we would be on time, but, you know, Johnny, it's always Johnny, right? Uh, Johnny, right. little Johnny, uh, he... You know, he dilly dallies. He doesn't get his shoes on on time. He never has his uniform ready to go. You know, I'm always getting up. See, then it's Johnny, you know, but if it's mom or dad, that's like waiting until the last minute to leave Johnny right. doesn't drive and we don't want Johnny driving yet, you know? Right. Right. Um, so, so that's a different thing. So I, I tend to uh, question, especially when they get higher in rank, I'm, I come down harder on them. Uh, right. You know, if they don't have their proper equipment. You know, one one time it happens. Okay, you know, I'm 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 cool with that. They they wore a t-shirt instead of their yeah. uniform top. Okay, it happened once, no big deal. You know, it happens again and they're a higher rank. Hey, you know, next time I can't let you take class. This is the last yeah, yeah. thing. You, 
you know, um, and I, I think putting that responsibility on the parents all through the communication, I think, first of all, you know, putting that responsibility on a student instead of the parent um, and making sure that we're, we're working together with them as a team. Again, that goes back to culture, though, the culture that yeah. you're you're uh, bringing up in your school. And I agree back to what you talked about. It's communication and it's setting the stage and making sure that everybody understands that this is how you enter the stage. This is how you exit the stage. And this is what we require you, you know, no, no eating while the, the show's being in, you know, when the show's, uh, when the show's on and there's no clapping until the end. And like, you just gotta make sure they understand what, like you said, the, uh, um, you know, the culture is what, what the rules are in your establishment. And now they can decide to follow those rules or not follow those rules, but those have to be set in the, in the beginning. And I, and I, of course, I agree with you. Um, you know, I did, did, did tell that parent specifically, you know, I understand it's not Johnny's fault, but it is his responsibility and there's a difference. Right. And I think that's important too, that, you know, uh, creating this culture that parents understand that this isn't for their kid or it's for the benefit of them, you know, their family that we teach them responsibility by being prepared for class. And, and if they're not doing it, you need to work with them to be better at it. Just like making your bed, you know, that great cultural book, make your bed, right. About starting the day off with making your bed, you know, it's important for us to start putting those things in effect. But I think if parents see that as a benefit to their child, they're going to do it more likely than they would just think that we're just trying to hammer down on the rules. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, so that's important, but man, Dude, this was a great interview. Maybe we could have you back in the future, um, you know, to have you do another one with us. We'll get deeper. There's so many different topics that we could go over. We will mention your your companies. Throw a mention out real quickly. You have your two things that you're doing for school owners. What is the, the different websites? And Oh, sure. Um, first of all, we have the most cost-effective way to provide incentives and, and rewards for your children, and that's through beltstripes.com. Uh, and at bellstripes.com, you can choose from, we have thousands of stripes to choose from, and you can even customize your own if you want. Uh, but that's been huge for our academy. Um, you know, when a kid gets a, a special stripe and it says what it means on there, it's not just some color stripe where it's like, well, what's this for? You know, yeah. uh, they know what it's for. The parent knows what it's for with no question. Great stuff. Um, and then the other is mattchats.com, which actually is the first character development program that takes what the kids are learning in the dojo or in the dojang, you know, on the school floor, the training floor, and gets them to apply them in the real world. But it's not just me saying that. We also get, it gets tangible proof. You're actually going to get testimonials from your parents that they will want to share in your school's Facebook group about the cool things their kids are doing outside of the academy uh, is how That's the program is set up. Uh, so when, when, when people, you get new people into your school group, you know, if it's a if it's a prospect, you know, which you should be putting in your school group, all prospects, so they can yeah, see yeah. the culture. It's not just going to be all martial arts stuff. They're going to see, oh, Johnny made his bed first thing in the morning, or yeah, or you know, or or you know, Jane Jane did this. You know, she she got a team together of her friends to go clean up her street. You know, outside. Yeah. You know, think things like that where where it's uh, you know they're developing great skill sets. Um, so uh, yeah, check those out. Mattchats.com, Beltstripes.com. Yeah. Awesome. Very, very cool. So that's awesome, Dwayne. Great job again, always. And I'll let you close it up. And we have a we have a video to play us out. And uh, also, we wanted to mention Spark. I uh, didn't put Spark on our, our outro video. Uh, as a, I have them on there, but I didn't say it. Um, so uh, anyway, I just wanted to mention that Spark's been a sponsor of us for the longest time.
Yep. Yep. Well, we'll do that in the next one. Thanks again, Jason. We appreciate it, sir. Yes. Yeah, Spark, Spark is the best, guys. Spark is the best. I'm telling you, uh, all of you guys out there, uh, I've used every software out there available at one point or another, and Spark is hands down. It kept me going during this pandemic um, and is still helping us to keep going. So uh, yeah. strongly recommend it. And, and Ron Sell, uh, who owns Spark, I've known we've known each other since we were kids. Uh, That's he, great. He is an amazing guy. Uh, and if he wasn't an amazing guy, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be with him. So That's great. Very cool. Thank you both for having me on. Uh, it was so much fun. I really appreciate it. It's great to always talk shop with uh, two uh, super experienced martial artists and, and business owners like yourselves. And uh, uh, it's it's been an honor. So thank you. Thank you, Honor's sir. Talk thank to you, you soon. Take care. All right. Bye.